What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers Day. We're talking about Pat Fitzgerald being fired, how that could help the Badgers, and how it can also come back to really backfire for the Badgers. Uh, we're also going to talk Jackson McAndrew and then get a bunch of your comments into the show, as always, on Wisconsin, and let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. Uh, really do appreciate, as always, everybody tuning in, everybody making the journey, uh, allowing us to be a very small part of your day. It's incredibly humbling and uh, unbelievably appreciated. So thank you for that. And uh, let's just get started. So I'm sure if you're a college football fan, you've at least seen, and if you, I'm sure you're that some degree of that if you're listening to this show, You've seen the Pat Fitzgerald news, right? Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern head coach, um, was put on suspension over potential hazing issues. Um, then he, you know, the report came out that uh, the team denied it. And then further reports came out that, no, this really did happen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Northwestern today announced that they have fired Pat Fitzgerald. Now, Pat Fitzgerald also announced that he's going to talk to his legal counsel. He's going to ensure that his rights are upheld, whatever that may mean, whether it's trying to get back into Northwestern or to negotiate some type of financial settlement. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not really, that's not really the crux of this point here. Anyway, it's how can this benefit Wisconsin? Uh, I want to start there. So if you remember on this show, there we talked about this recruit with um, John Garcia Jr., Dylan Johnson, uh, defensive tackle out of Illinois, 6'2", 285 pounds. More of a plugger, really stout at the point of attack, a good player. The Badgers prioritized him. He's one of the first offers this new staff made. He was very clearly a plan A defense alignment for the Luke Fickle staff, and he chose Northwestern in a move that that surprised a lot of people. A lot of people thought Johnson was a Badger lean or, or potentially would end up in the Badgers class when he chose Northwestern. It surprised people. He had a wrestling background, shares that in common with Luke Fickle. We've all talked about ad nauseum offensive alignment, defense alignment with wrestling backgrounds. You know, uh, Keanu Benton had that, how beneficial that can be in terms of understanding leverage, hand movement, uh, toughness, discipline. Dylan Johnson is all of that. And, um, you know, with this news going down with Pat Fitzgerald, it is very possible that a guy like Dylan Johnson, among other Northwestern recruits, are going to open that recruitment back up. And who was, I don't want to say the bridesmaid to that, but it was kind of the Badgers. The Badgers were sitting in in the co-pilot seat in that recruitment to Northwestern. And now that they could potentially be out of the picture, because let's face it, Pat Fitzgerald is a charismatic guy. He's Mr. Northwestern. If it's not like some other institutions where you fire the head coach and and maybe most of the players stay because the the players that commit to Northwestern, they're committing for the academics, obviously, but Pat Fitzgerald, who's been there, I think 17 years plays a major role in that as the figurehead of that program. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Dylan Johnson open that recruitment back up. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Badgers kick the tires there. And in given a topic that we've talked about a lot, the defensive line recruiting, you know, that could play out really well for the Badgers. They still have that need, and they certainly had interest in Dylan Johnson. So, you know, that part of this could, in the short term, benefit the Badgers. Here's where I'm interested. Where does Northwestern pivot? Do they pivot to a certain um, Midwestern kid with with a great defensive coordinator pedigree, right? Who has a, a upstanding reputation in the industry? Do they do they pivot towards a guy like Jim Leonard? Right? Is is Jim Leonard somebody that would make sense for Northwestern to 
to look at on the coaching trail? And is that a place that Jim Leonard, it would make sense for Jim Leonard to go to? I, I want to be very clear on something with Pat Fitzgerald as well. I've talked about this in my shows before when I did coaching rankings. I thought Pat Fitzgerald has been one of the most overrated coaches for years. I'm telling you right now, I don't think Northwest, I think Northwestern was totally okay with Pat Fitzgerald giving them a reason to fire him, right? Look at what he's done. There's, he has this reputation that I just don't understand. You know, because he won a, a Big Ten West title in the COVID season. The Northwestern is not the dump. It's not a dumpster fire. There's great academics, great facilities. They're in the Big Ten. Like It shouldn't be this enormous crowning achievement to win the Big Ten West. And keep in mind, outside of that, which was the COVID year, his last three Big Ten years, he's won three Big Ten games. He was 1-8 and eight in the Big Ten last year, 1-8 and eight in Big Ten the year before that. Um, he had, He's been really bad in three of the last four years so if i'm northwestern you know this this gave me now, now again not that anybody wants a hazing incident or a potential sexual assault incident to, but it, it kind of gave them a, a very clean way to break with pat fitzgerald without upsetting a lot of alumni a lot of donors a lot of former players who really hold fitzgerald into kind of that 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 mode that um that iconic mode where it's like a Kurt Ferentz mode right with less success by the way where it's hard to get rid of those guys unless they give you a reason to and I think his football act there was starting to get stale and honestly this this could work out from a football standpoint again I don't want to minimize anything that potentially happened to any players and I don't want to even get into what happened or didn't happen because I don't have the the facts or details and I haven't taken the time to look at that but from a football standpoint, Northwestern can pivot from what had becoming had been becoming kind of a stale Pat Fitzgerald program. And what if they pivot towards a Jim Leonard, right? What if they pivot towards somebody who could make them a lot better? It's interesting to me. And Jim Leonard, Northwestern, um, listen, there's things that make sense there. Obviously, Jim Leonard with the Midwestern ties. Jim Leonard has experience coaching at a high academic institution. He would he would understand some of the difficulties and some of the advantages of having high academic requirements, being able to sell that, uh, having that in his back pocket. He certainly understands the Midwest from a recruiting standpoint. He understands the Big Ten. Um, uh, obviously, a great reputation off the field as a, as a person, as a human being. That's somebody that Northwest. That's something that Northwestern would certainly emphasize coming off of Pat Fitzgerald being fired in the wake of a hazing slash sexual assault in, in the program issue. So, it's interesting to me. I would I would assume Pat Fitzgerald is somebody Northwest or Jim Leonard is somebody Northwestern would kick the tires on. I really do. I think that's interesting. But in the short term, again, look for the Badgers to pivot back to Dylan Johnson. They need defensive line help. He's somebody they prioritized. And I got to think most of a lot of Northwestern's commits are going to be up for poaching season right now while Northwestern is in complete chaos. So that's interesting to me. Uh, we're going to come back. We're talking about Jackson McAndrew. So much talk about Con Knippel for obvious reasons. Let's talk Jackson McAndrew a little bit. And then you guys, there's a ton of great comments I haven't been able to get back on the show. I want to throw those up here, talk a little bit about um, basketball recruiting, football recruiting, ceilings, receiver depth charts, a bunch of stuff that y'all had to bring to the table. I'm going to get into that next on Lockdown Badgers. But first, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Listen, I've talked about Bird Dogs a lot. Bird dogs are comfortable. They're moisture wicking. They are flexible. They look great on you. They, they, but they're also athletic. You can, you can throw the bird dogs on and then you remember that pick your own adventure books. That's what bird dogs are. Throw the bird dogs on, go out of the house, pick your own adventure. You want to turn left, go to the basketball court. You can do that in the bird dogs. You want to turn right, 
go to the go to the library, get some knowledge. You can do that. You can study comfortably in Bird Dogs. You want to head straight and just head to the movie theater, maybe get some culture. You can do that in Bird Dogs too. Pick your own adventure, and it you can do it all with one pair of incredible, comfortable, wonderful, amazing shorts, just in time for summer. I mean, that's that's what I use. Um, I use them all the time. I have two pairs. I almost never take them off. And you get a free tumbler with every order. It's a Yeti style tumbler. It's absolutely great. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown college. Enter promo code lockdown college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown college or promo code lockdown college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. I also want to say thank you so much for, for tuning in. Uh, tune into the show. Tune into what we're doing here. Really do appreciate everybody, everybody joining us for these shows. And um, your your feedback and your comments are awesome because we we incorporate them in here. I think we're smarter because we do that. Let's talk Jackson McAndrew. So again, we have. I feel like we've been a little hyper focused on Con Knipple. We got to get Con right. We got to get Knipple because he's the in-state five-star, do everything, Swiss blade, offensive arming weapon that you just. Gosh, he's tailor-made for Wisconsin, right? And if you put him amongst the skilled skilled talent that Wisconsin has landed in the last couple of years, you put him amongst, you know, Freetag and Connor and Gus and Winter, and you start to just have visions of super team, you know, dancing around your head. But listen, Jackson McAndrew's out there too. And Jackson McAndrew, while not Con Knipple, um, in a couple ways, Jackson McAndrew is a borderline four-star composite six-eight forward with great shooting ability and range. Again, just take Take that last sentence that I said, 6'8", athletic forward with great shooting ability and range. I mean, yes, please. That that's, that's modern basketball. And what you would be doing is you're adding another great shooter, potential great shooter, right? It's all potential with recruits. I want to be very clear on that. But you're potentially adding another great shooter into this already, be, what is becoming a lot of young, skilled players on this roster. So um, where is Jackson McAndrew in, in this process? Do we think it's likely he's going to end up at Wisconsin? What kind of game he has? Let's start with where. So he's going. He's been blowing up a little bit. Um, Jackson McAndrews been playing really well in AAU, coming off a visit to Notre Dame, I believe a Xavier as well. So you know, certainly a lot of recruiting buzz and hype around um, McAndrew uh, coming out of YZ, Minnesota, six eight, about two hundred pounds, really building up offers, building up a lot of hype, playing really, really well. Um, Getting Daniel Freetag, uh, that's a big deal. Daniel Freetag and him are great friends. Freetag talked about it when he came on the show. He talked about how much he loves McAndrew, about how how great of an opportunity it would be to play together with him. So that's definitely something to keep in the back of your heads. Landing one is a domino that could potentially land the next one. And Wisconsin's very much in the mix of this because of the recruiting efforts from Greg Gard, but also because they landed one of his best friends in Daniel Freetag, somebody he loves playing with. Don't underestimate that. Right. People like playing with their friends. And that, that's a notion that I think fans get too frustrated with. Right. Uh, maybe it's more of an NBA thing, but people get frustrated at the NBA level when LeBron wants to play with one of his friends. I want to play with my friends. Right. That's that's not weird. I get at the NBA level. People want to oh, don't build super teams. Don't do this. But people genuinely like to do things with their friends. I, I like doing all sorts of things with my friends. So. You know, it, that's not a weird thing. Fans have turned that into some type of negative. No, like Daniel Freitag, Freitag sorry, and Jax McAndrew are, are really good friends. That's a big bonus for Bucky in this recruitment. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about his game. Great range, really long, switchable forward. I think he's going to be able to guard threes, fours. Uh, probably, 
probably not many fives, but definitely threes and fours. He's he's athletic enough. He does have some ability to get to the rim, a pretty good rebounder. Um, good passing ability for, for a 6'8 forward as well. You'll see him get a rebound and pitch it up on an outlet pass. You'll see him drive and kick it out to the corner. Um, but again, it, the, the selling point is the shot, though. Good shot mechanics, high release, really tough to block, great range, good accuracy. There is a The shot is a little slow. Like I think he could speed up the shot, especially on catch-and-shoot situations. You see him kind of catch it, gather, and shoot a little bit. Uh, but just, just an elite shooter, right? At the end of the day, you can't have too many elite shooters with size. And there's, that's, there's a reason why his recruitment's kind of blowing up. There's a reason why he's a four-star com- recruit, not commitment recruit. And he's, he'd be a really big get for Greg Gard. And even it shouldn't be – there shouldn't be a massive disappointment um, if you miss on Knipple, but you get Jackson McAndrew. That's a really good class. And McAndrew's a elite, elite high school player. So definitely somebody to track. There was a comment about um, we're maybe focusing too much on Khan, not enough on Jackson. I think that's fair. But I also think that's what happens when you have an in-state five-star player, right? The the focus in the spotlight is going to move to Con Knipple because of the recruiting hype, because of the offers. Duke just came in. So, yeah, I get why it's focused there. But Jackson McAndrew would be an enormously great consolation prize. All right, let's get into some of your comments because, again, uh, that's a big part of what I want the show to be. I always want it to be collaborative. That collaborative, sorry. That's why I ask for new people to come on the show. That's why I try to take your comments. I, I want to build up the community and. One of the ways to do that is to get your voices on here. So let's just take some shot. Let's just take some uh, thoughts here. Uh, this is from Ken Payne. <clears throat> I think Crowell found another gear at the end of last year, prime for a breakout year, taking the leap we've been waiting for with more balance and depth behind them. I thought this was a really interesting comment from Ken, and thank you for for uh, throwing this out there. I don't think a lot of people have talked about a Stephen Crowell breakout year. I think the assumption has been mostly focused on he kind of is who he is, right? A, a skilled passer, um, good size, inconsistent shooter, and I would say a above average post game. Not a great one. Not not really fluid around the rim. Um, not a, a myriad of moves, but a solid post player with a really good feel, passing feel, IQ for the game, uh, and inconsistent shooting. But let's say he has a let's 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 go with what Ken's saying here. What would a breakout year for Stephen Crowell look like? And what would that mean for the Badgers? So a breakout year for to me for Stephen Crowell is you're getting a consistent 35% um, on, on decent volume from deep. So you're getting a real pick and pop threat. That's a big part of Crowell's game that just kind of disappeared last year. But if you're getting back to the point where defenses have to respect him, where the spacing increases, he can draw a big man out of the, the paint. Because that's the thing. People talk about the pick and pop big man, right? You need him to hit those shots. The The big benefit of that pick and pop big man is yes hitting the three but it's pulling the the shot blocker out of the paint it's making that center come out which opens up so much behind him right if suddenly the the big man on indiana and purdue and maryland and nebraska whoever it is if they had to go 23 feet out to challenge a shot now you have tyler wall getting you one-on-one post in the in the paint you have aj store cutting and getting um better looks there's no shot blocker there so to me that's what a breakout year for stephen crowell is um, the same type of passing ability, a little better in the post. I don't think he's got a ton of on-tap potential in the post, but I do think he has on-tap potential from the arc. And if you get that, it opens up everything. How likely is that? I actually don't think it's crazy. I think he's got a decent shot. I think it just didn't come together last year, but we'll see. Um, that would be a huge get, though, if we could get a, another gear of Stephen Crowell. And I think that another gear would be consistent three-point shooting. All right, let's talk about... Um, yeah, oh, this is a Hills plays. Then this is something I talked about earlier. 
And this is actually why I put that that whole segment about Jackson McAndrew in there. He said, we keep talking about Khan, but what do you think the chances of getting McAndrew is? He seems to keep rising in the rankings. Yeah, no, thank you for this this question. I, I turned this whole question into that previous segment because I agree. All we're doing is talking about Khan, but you know, McAndrew is a, a is a, a big time plan A type target as well. He's not a consolation prize. And um, yeah, it'd be a massive gift for great guard. This is from MB Anderson 83. I thought this was a really great comment as well. He said, it's not because in the previous show, we talked about the six four-star composite recruits in this Badgers football class. And what M. M. Anderson is saying here, MB Anderson is saying, it's not just the six fours, six four-stars, but the breadth. Five of the six are at different positions. You know, we've had some really good classes, but those four-stars are usually comprised of mostly O-line. I think this is a great point. And this is something uh, Brian, Brian Smith talked about when he's on the show. Not all four stars are created equal, right? Uh, a four-star offensive guard, you know, God bless his soul, is not equal to a four-star cornerback in today's football, right? And it's no different than any other position, right? A, a um, An elite catcher in baseball is worth more than an elite second baseman. They're harder to find. It doesn't make the elite second baseman not a valuable piece. You'll always take an all-star second baseman. But if you can get an all-star catcher, it matters more right? Basketball is not that different. If you can get an all-star point guard, it matters more in today's game of NBA than an all-star center. It just does. It just does. And in football, an all, a four-star quarterback, a receiver, a left tackle, a pass rusher, a cornerback, those just matter more than other positions, running back, tight end, linebacker, safety, and, you know, kicker, kicker putter, obviously, but offensive guard, center, like, and this is a great point. A lot of our previous elite recruiting classes were built around a bevy of four and five star offensive linemen, which are great gets. You need elite offensive linemen, but you you kind of need elite spots at other positions more in today's football. So getting, you know, a four star corner, right? The four star quarterback, you know, those type of positions are in, are just so huge and, and they're inherently more valuable, you know, now. You still need to develop the offense line. We talked about it on the previous show. I think the staff has done a great job of rebounding from some early misses on the offense line to build out a, a five-man class that's really strong. So you still have that strong offensive line class, but now you've added some four-star talent You know, at receiver, at tight end, at cornerback, at quarterback. It's a big deal. I think this is a great point from MB Anderson, which uh definitely appreciate the comment. This is from Mark. He said, listening to you guys talk about basketball player minutes, it makes me wonder if that's something Vegas sports books let you even bet on. So, Mark, I don't think so. I've never seen it, but I would love that they would. And then I, I thought about your comment more, and I said, who, what are what are two players' minutes that I think are going to be higher than everybody thinks? And what are two players' minutes I think are going to be lower than everybody thinks? So, one of them you know. I, I think Gus Yaldin's minutes are going to exceed what the general public thinks. I think he's going to be able to play right away. I think he's your backup five. And in moments where maybe Stephen Crowell gets in foul trouble – or is ineffective. There have been bouts of inconsistency with Stephen Crowell. There could be games where Yaldin's getting 20 minutes. That one shocked me at all. So I think Yaldin is a guy who's going to get more minutes. And the other one is John Blackwell Jr. So he's a guy that originally I said, I think he's going to redshirt. Justin and I had that conversation, but talking to more people, hearing early reports, I think he's a guy that might be able to eke out a rotation spot because he is a big physical guard and he gives you something that does. we don't have a lot of on this roster. If he can shoot consistently, I think his minutes are going to be higher than people think. Uh, two players that I think are going to be a little lower. I think Stephen Crowell could be a little lower. And, and quite frankly, I think this is somebody I thought uh, I've, been, I've been off on this. I was off on this last year. I just don't know if Kamari McGee is going to play. 
Uh, I, I still see some people penciling into that backup point guard spot. I think that might be Max Klesman. And then if John Blackwell takes some minutes, it's got to come from somewhere. And it's not going to come from Chucky. It's not going to come from Connor. So I, I think that could be two players that don't play quite as much as some people are thinking. Uh, this one's from Jay Daly. He just said, uh, Brian Calhoun is the forgotten Badger running back. Only one year, but absolutely electric. Would have loved to see him in that second year, but one of the best single seasons ever. That's from Jay Daly, 100%. Listen, Brian Calhoun was the 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 centerpiece, the nuclei of one of the single greatest rushing performances from a gutsy standpoint that I've ever seen. That game against Michigan um, that ended with the quarterback sneak for a touchdown. We beat Michigan. Incredible game. I think Calhoun touched the ball 43 times in that game, if I remember, between um, carries and catches. We had him on the show. We talked about this, and he said, not only did I have a ton of touches, but Michigan was like extra shots, hitting him hard. Uh, just Calhoun was incredible, absolutely incredible. And, yeah, I I, I 100% agree, Jay Daly. He's definitely one of the – I wouldn't say forgotten. Like people who saw Calhoun know how good he was, but he doesn't get put on the pantheon in terms of individual great seasons as much as I think he should. All right, we're going to take a very quick break here and come back with a bunch more of your comments, including should we keep uh, recruiting the running back spot or does that put uh, us in position to get some decommits? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Tommy McIntosh, uh, Emerson Mandel. A lot more of your comments coming up on Lockdown Badgers, but first a quick break for our friends of the show. Welcome back to Lockdown Badgers. Really do appreciate everybody tuning in. You guys and gals are amazing and incredible. Uh, let's just keep this conversation going. Let's let's keep talking Badgers because what else are we here to do? Uh, let's. This is from Bucky sixty three. He said, "Going after Jones, be careful." He's talking about Dylan Jones, the running back. Now, you may have some decommit. So he's speaking to the point that you know, Darian Dupree getting Natuka. You have two running backs in this class. Do you keep going after that third guy who is an elite prospect? My answer is yes. Right? It just is. It's yes. Now, there's there's a couple things here. Yes. It, first of all, communication is key. I'm not privy to what the coaches are telling the recruits, obviously. If if you're talking to Darian Dupree and Dylan Jones, and they're both saying, I will absolutely not be a part of a three-man class. Well, there's your answer, right? Then you already have Darian Dupree. That, that's your answer. But I would say this. Decommits can happen anyway. Decommits can happen anyway and have nothing to do with you. So, you better be keeping irons in the fire hot for all the positions just in case, right? Because the last thing you want to do is say, nope, we're good. Running back position sealed up. Let's put that pickle jar in the in the cellar and we'll, we'll open it later. Because if one of your dudes decommits and you haven't been keeping other irons in the fire, you, you find yourself in a scrambling position. So I would say you keep going after Jones because he's an elite talent. You can never have too much elite talent. That's how the great programs build. And if somebody decommits, they decommit. Again, communication is paramount. I trust the staff is doing that. Um, this one's from uh, Toby Early. He said, come to Las Vegas and watch the game. My treat. Let's go, Toby. Yes. If I'm ever in Vegas during football season, I will absolutely hit you up on that. I did a on Badgers After Dark. I talked about how I struggled to find somebody to watch a game with at times because I'm in Connecticut and how I got really creepy and walked like back into a store with a guy there. There's a Badger fan in there and I tried to like finagle a him to come over to my like basement to watch a game it was a disaster so i do appreciate it toby if i'm ever in vegas i'll definitely hit you up on that um this is from paul buckeye you have a great podcast ryan i wish you could do ours listen what's the nil deal at ohio state what what kind of um nil product can i get over there can the buckeye swing me i uh, listen i i'm a badger fan through and through but 
I got mortgages to pay. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I love being a, a member of the Lockdown Badger community. I absolutely love it. And there's no Ohio State NIL deal. You guys could throw at me to lure me over to that side. Uh, let's keep going. Let's see. Zach so- uh, Schoenberg says, I haven't been this excited about Badger football since Barry was coach. You know, I'm interested. I, I want I, The reason I put this comment up is because I'm, I'm a bit of a younger fan. So, I, I mean, you know, it's all relative, right? I'm about 40. But I don't remember what the hype level was for Barry Alvarez. And that's why I put this comment up. I want to know for for fans who were more invested when Barry was hired, when that transition was happening, what was that hype level? Because I was I was very invested when Bielema became coach, when Gary Anderson did, when Paul Chris did. You know, the hype level here for Luke Fickle is higher than all of that. But what was it like for Barry Alvarez? Did people expect great things did he come in and set the world on fire i mean i certainly remember his speech because i've seen it like you better get your tickets now because pretty soon you won't be able to i mean that's awesome right that's that's barry alvarez type stuff but did people expect big things someone someone let me know what the hype level was for barry barry alvarez when he was hired i'm very curious uh jagavi says and again i'm apologize if i'm mispronouncing these names he said emerson looks like he could be a future center he has the speed to pull and then what is the future for a guy like tommy mcintosh Emerson Mandela at center. That that's interesting. Um, he's athletic enough for sure. He he flies off the ball. He's a great burst. Plays with leverage. Uh, if he can snap the ball, that's an interesting one. I I actually hadn't thought that. I've been thinking guard for him. I really like that. That he could, yeah maybe. Um, I could definitely see Mandela at center with his athleticism. That'd be an interesting one, and he would have the ability to be a really good center because I think. I think he has the athleticism to get to the outside from the center spot, which if you think back to, to Badger centers that have done that, that's like Peter Kahn's type stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested. And then future for a guy like Tommy McIntosh, I think he's a weapon. I really do. I think and Tommy McIntosh is the type of guy that you can use situationally to create mismatches, right? You move him around the the, the chessboard, the football field, and if you get him matched up on uh, in the red zone, maybe you bring him in and see if you can get him isolated on a smaller corner. Or if they are trying to guard him with a safety or a linebacker, I think he has the speed to take the top off of that. So I think he's a mismatch guy. And if you have a head coach or an offensive corner like Phil Longo, I think he's going to exploit mismatch guys. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, Ryan said, no way Tretch will see the field this year, nor should he. I tend to agree with this. I tend to agree that depth is, is there's too many bodies at receiver. Barring injury, which – Every conversation about football depth charts is to some degree barring injury. Um, if he had enrolled in spring, and I love Tretch Kekahuna, by the way. Tretch is a longtime favorite of the Lockdown Badger show, both myself and Justin. Excuse me, Rajiv as well. I just think there's too many bodies at the receiver spot. And I think getting started in spring would have been really helpful for him. This one's from the Playmaker. Top four pass catchers, in my opinion. DK, Pauling, Green, and Cundiff. The the Cundiff one is interesting. Um Listen, we've seen Cundiff have some ability to get behind linebackers, to, to definitely catch the ball in traffic. He was a guy when he committed, I thought was underrated, uh, coming from a place that didn't have a lot of uh, eyeballs on him in Kansas. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like the list. Uh, we're going to do a whole show where we try to predict what goes where. Uh, DK, I think, to me, is definitely in that list. I think Pauling is. Green, if he's healthy, is. Cundiff is the only one here that's interesting, but I uh, if a tight end's going to do it, it's going to be Cundiff, in my opinion. He's uh, going to be healthy. I think his injuries have been freakish. They haven't been the type that lend themselves to being hurt again, typically. So I like the I like the prediction, uh, playmaker. Thank you for jumping it in there. 
This is from Why Even Try Brotendo. He said, just looked up the class and we are ridiculously in caps. Ridiculously. I need to emphasize that. Just looked up the class and we are ridiculously overrating it. Um, possible. Listen, it, here's the thing with recruiting. And this is what I always tell people that say, don't get too exciting. It's just recruiting. Um, if you're one of the people who's not going to ever get that excited about recruiting or drafting until you see the finished product, then you're that, that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Fans can fan in all sorts of ways and I'll never tell a fan how to fan. But if you're going to be excited about recruiting, like you're going to follow it, you're going to follow the highs and the lows. You're going to be bummed when Corey Smith doesn't end up signing with Wisconsin or, or Garrett Sexton or Nathan Rowe, but you're going to be excited when you get a Haywood. If, if you're one of the people like me, one of the, the crazies that falls recruiting, then I don't know how you can look at this class and say it's it's ridiculously overrated. Um, I, I just don't know how. You have six composite four stars, last I checked. Uh, I think you're fourth in the Big Ten per the 247 composite, and this is Luke Fickle's first full cycle. I think he's done a tremendous job. Perfect? No. Um, should, be, should he continue to get better? Yeah, I think so. Um, did he do a great job in state? No. But first year... I think he's doing really well. Um, I think he's done really, really well. Let's keep going here. Uh, Monty D said, I agree with Cannon L on DK. The other receivers must prove themselves worthy. Yeah, I I, th- I agree with that. I, th- I think DK gets undersold a little bit. The point I made with Justin was the things he does aren't flashy. And because they're not flashy, they don't get talked about as much. But that doesn't mean they're not important, right? Being dependable, being consistent, being healthy, being durable, having good hands, running good routes, being a good chemistry guy, knowing the playbook. He does those things in spades, and he's done those things in spades for years. I I think he's definitely in that top four group. Uh, I like him a lot. And, yeah, the other receivers either need to get healthy, i.e. green, or prove themselves on the football field, i.e. CJ. That being said, I love Bryson Green. I, I love the upside of CJ. I think those players factor in as well, but I'm pretty big on DK still. Let's go here. Um, this is from Badger Blas. I hate when you guys talk Gilmore and Dunn. You guys are better than that. So I definitely wanted to get this up there because I, I want to emphasize that I'm not trying to take shots at anybody. When I talk, you're right. We, we probably shouldn't talk J- Jack Dunn anymore. Um, when I talk Carter Gilmore, it's in the context of if he plays, how he affects the offensive, the offensive team for basketball. Like we have to talk about that. And there were clips I put up on Twitter last year or at least sent them to to Justin and Rashid, you can see how Carter Gilmore negatively impacts the offense. It, it just is what it is. And one of the things I do on this show, what I think we do on this show is, is we're honest. We, we, we are honest. And it doesn't mean we're jerks about it. I will never come on here and crush a kid. That's never the goal. I'll never make it personal. We talk about the game. And the fact of the matter is, unless Carter Gilmore gets better, like he, he – doesn't create spacing on offense because the defense takes off of him. It makes it difficult for everybody else. Um, I'm rooting for him. If Carter Gilmore came out next year, shot the ball better, uh, helped create more spacing, I know that he's going to play his butt off and he defensively he's just fine. I would love that. That's a win for me. Uh, I would love for that to happen, but it didn't happen last year and it hurt the offense. Uh, I think that's fair to have that discussion, but I, I will never – the goal is to never cross the line and to never, ever make it personal. And I hope I don't do that. If I do, I apologize. Um, and I got one more comment here from the Commandant. He said, in regards to returning wide receivers from last year, it's really hard to tell how good they can be in this offense because of the non-existent passing offense they played in last year. I 100% agree with that. This is a great place to end the show. Listen, I know 
people will say, well, a great player can can thrive in just about any offense. And that's to some degree that's true. Like a Randy Moss is going to look good no matter what the passing offense is. A Jerry Rice, you know, a Joey Galloway, a pick your great, great first round level NFL Calvin Johnson, whatever it is, those players are going to thrive just about wherever they play. But those players are unique. They're one-offs. They're they're incredible. And for the players that are just good receivers, guys like DK and, and Keontes, right? Those guys, Chris Brooks, whoever they are, they they do need to be in a system that makes some sense to show their talent. And I don't think they were given the full opportunity to do that last year. So I am interested to see them in this better offense with better spacing, with better quarterback play, with better play sequencing. Um, with quite frankly, a better offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I can't wait to see it. So um, yeah, comment on, thank you for the comment as always. Thank you for everyone else who threw their comments in there. And I apologize. I didn't get to all of them, uh, but I'll continue to try to do these type of shows once a week, once every other week, because I want your comments into this. I think we get better with your discussions and I get smarter because of, of the comments you make. And I read every single one of them. So on Wisconsin, appreciate all of y'all let's go. And we'll talk tomorrow.